By golly, he's done it again. We have a new murder mystery out, Lost Hills, by author Lee Goldberg. Stay tuned for all the fun. This is Book Circle Online, featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now, Book Circle Online. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Book Circle Online. I'm your host, Tammy Govea, and joined in studio once again. Welcome back. G. Willikers, I'm glad to be here. G. Willikers. After you said, by golly, by I golly. figure. <laughs> Is that a Judy Garland, let's put on a show reference? It could be. But we're not here to talk about Judy. Although it is Elvis's birthday, so we could mention Elvis. Um, Lee Goldberg, Lost Hills. This is what we're here to talk about. Woo! I'm so intimidated in front of this crowd. <laughs> they're a tough crowd. They are. They're, they're loud, they're, too. They're a tough crowd. Lee, there's, there's so much fun things to talk about, but I, I want to start out by saying Eve is everything. And and it's interesting because I was re- and I actually I texted Meg. I'm like, oh my god, this book is so good. Um, it was a combination of, for me personally, it was a great escape from just everything going on. It, but the escape was really disturbing. <laughs> you know, it, so you your know, escape was an absolute nightmare. It and you was, want your money it was back. entering a nightmare. Um, but Eve made it all all okay. Eve Ronan, your heroine, your youngest detective she's detective she's the youngest she, homicide detective homicide in the history of los angeles, county, of los angeles county there you go um i mean we'll talk more about it because there were actually some review there was a review that i didn't agree with that i wanted to get you're your, gonna read my reviews i am of course i am only read the ones that say how exceptionally <laughs> wonderful i am and how i could stand in for daniel craig and my writing is hasn't been matched since tolstoy Ooh, tolstoy i had to reach back <laughs> I do want to touch before we have you read from from the book. Um, so in your author notes, you say this novel is entirely a work of fiction, but it was inspired by an actual case that I learned about as one of the three civilian guests attending a professional homicide investigators training seminar in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Are you training to be a homicide no, investigator? No, but I'm a big believer in doing research. So you can just sign up? No, 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 no. I I had to finagle my way into it. And it's sort of funny. I I was these seminars are for homicide detectives to stay up to date on the latest techniques and things. I believe, at least in the state of Wisconsin, a homicide detective has to do twenty four hours of of education every year to recertify. And this is one of those things they have to do and they don't like going. You can tell they're (laughs) really thrilled about it. But I managed to finagle my way in, and a case was presented that was very interesting to me that became the inspiration for this book. But you're in the dark, and the the detectives who are presenting these cases don't really see who you are. And I was asking lots of questions during the presentation of the case. And then at the break, I went up to the detective who was presenting this particular case and asked some more questions. And he was God, your questions are terrific. I, I, I really appreciate it. Um, he looked at my badge. He said, I'm not familiar with your law enforcement agency. What is the WGA? <laughs> so, I'm a senior agent with the Writers oh Guild of America. Oh, my gosh, that's hysterical. <laughs> I figured I had to have a fancy badge. So I just said WGA, and they could figure, you know, like, Wisconsin Garrison yeah. <laughs> Armory or something. And, and, and he looked at me and said, you're a freaking writer? Oh, my gosh. How the hell did you get in here? And I pointed to the guy who was running the seminar who kind of waved back at him. And the detective thought about it for a moment. He went, well, you know what? You ask great questions. 
Yeah. If he's happy with you here, I'm happy with you here. Were By the, the end of the seminar, though, all the cops were, were great. They were, you know, hanging around with me in the bar because I was paying for all their drinks. But it was great. I got all these wonderful anecdotes and, and, and the kind of details that will make a fictional story come alive. I'm not writing a documentary. I'm not writing a factual story about a crime. I'm writing fiction. So I like to have a little bit of reality upon which to base my complete fraud, <laughs> my, my lies and my fantasy. Because if, if you can make it seem a little bit real, they'll be with you for all the stuff you're making up. Yeah. Were the other two civilians writers as well? Yes, yes. So how did you get the story? It was great because we were in this, um, there were several tracks of, of seminars going on. And as it turned out, just me and one other writer were of the three were in this one seminar. And I, I knew like 15 minutes into this case, I just leaned over to her and said, I have dibs on this <laughs> and So it's the funny. honor system. We, we went to a different homicide investigators training conference this year, the three of us. And there was a case that was just great. And I was about ready to... And she said, I've got dibs on this one. And it's her next book. Uh, sadly, that homicide conference was not wild about having writers in the in attendance. And uh, were banned. Um, because... Well, they're, they're really, civilians are not supposed to be there. And these cases are presented for other homicide detectives as, as learning tools. And they, they don't patronize in any way. They're... they're Brutal. I mean, the mm. the crime scene photos and the videos, and but in this particular homicide investigators seminar that we went to uh, last year, they had a, a a track where we got to talk to actual serial killers. It was live Skype interviews oh. with imprisoned serial killers, and it was fascinating. Just fascinating. So I mean, I got a lot out of it. It was it was terrific. Oh my god, there's like a million questions I just want to ask on that. They Yikes. were surprisingly normal. Well, weirdly, but we—it's interesting. An FBI agent ahead of that um, the, that Skype thing told us how to talk to serial killers and what we could expect and how they would deflect and what the experience would be like. And it was really interesting. So you got to ask them questions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What was it like when you had breakfast drinking from the skull of your dead Stop wife? Stop no, it. <laughs> I'm joking about that. But um, or are you really? No, it, it was very interesting. So this is based on an actual case. Loosely based on actual case. But what's ironic is if I wrote about the case as it played out, no one would believe it. They would say, oh, it's too over the top. It's that fantastic. It's too ridiculous. I pulled back a lot of the stranger things in that case when I moved it from its where it was set to Los Angeles and streamlined it. And, and I don't want to give away what's in the book. And I don't want to tell people what the actual case is because they'll be comparing yes. and getting ahead of the story. But there were there was a through line of that case that really appealed to me, an emotional through line and a, an investigative through line that I immediately saw the novel in my head, and I saw the character that I'd have to create for that novel to work. I'd gone to this conference, actually, to research an entirely different book. I had a different book in mind, but when I heard this case, I threw that book out, and the case dictated, the story in the case dictated the character that Eve Ronan became. Okay. So tell us about Eve. Tell us about Lost Hills. Eve is the youngest female homicide detective on the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. And she didn't get the job based on expertise or earning her way in. She got it because of politics. Actually, because of a viral video. She was a deputy who saw a movie star beating the crap out of a woman. And she basically saved the woman and, and face-planted this, <laughs> this Hollywood star on the pavement. And it went viral. And it went viral at a time when the sheriff's department was 
scandal plagued for things going on and because they wanted better news they kept focusing on her and eventually promoted her to homicide detective just to really get the most they possibly could out of the positive publicity that she was getting. So now she finds herself in a job she really wants but doesn't deserve to have. And she has to prove herself. And she has to prove herself on a case that would test even the most experienced homicide detective. And I thought that that created a very interesting character, very interesting conflict. And I'm tired of seeing police procedurals about hardened male white guys who have a dark past they they're in the war or they have a serial killer who slaughtered their entire family and they're always always divorced or i'm tired of it i want to do something fresh a young woman who who isn't jaded who doesn't have all that baggage who's more like us or not us i'm not a young woman but <laughs> and it's funny i'm writing from the point of view of a woman and my wife who's french says to me I really like this woman. How come you aren't more like her? Clearly you understand women. So how come you're so clueless in reality? It's fiction, honey. Yeah. You have to understand this is fiction. I've grown up around a lot of strong women. And I find it easy to write about women. Not to get caught in in the ridiculous male gaze you see so often when men write about women. I know that part of the frustration, you know, with reading about Eve's world was that having to prove herself through line, um, particularly in in the you know LAPD and in the police force. I mean that through line is across the board for a lot of women. Um, it's like oh god, yet again here's another story about a woman who has to prove herself, and you just you made her very her neuroses <laughs> compulsions are very universal. Which make her very relatable. But you also notice, this is very intentional on my part, her compulsions are not drug abuse no. or, or sex addiction so or alcoholism. It's just family dynamics, exactly. with the, which we'll get into. But normal person. Totally normal person. There, there's no serial killer or slaughter no. in her past. No. There's no time in Iraq. I, I didn't want to do any of those cliches. I wanted a person like us who gets put in a position that she wants but doesn't quite deserve yet. And yet she has the skills. She just doesn't have the experience yet to really use those skills. And I think a character who isn't perfect, who isn't a deductive genius, who who doesn't have 100% accurate instincts, is much more interesting. And I think there are too many detective heroes in fiction today who are just so self-confident and so good. And know they're going to catch the bad guy. Too and sweet. every hunch they have is yeah. 100% right. Every move they make, no matter how wild, is the right move to make. <laughs> I want a character who's finding her way. It's, it's much more interesting. Absolutely. Before we have you read a little bit from the book, I want to play um, an Instagram video that you posted, which I absolutely love. Am I singing show tunes? You're Am I dressed? Singing? Yes, you are dressed. Okay. So. Um, let's take a look at this video. We've got it queued up. But one of the things that I loved about it was you actually show in real time where the opening oh. of the book takes place. So let's take a look. Hi, my name's Lee Goldberg. I'm the author of the new crime novel, Lost Hills. And I'm standing at the intersection of Mulholland Highway and Mulholland Drive. It's a confusing intersection, not just because the streets have the same name, but because it's also the intersection of two cities, three neighborhoods, and two law enforcement jurisdictions. It's also where the body is found that opens my book. I hope you enjoy Lost Hills. That's crazy. Like, There's literally a place in Los Angeles that 
has how many jurisdictions? I've I've forgotten now, but I think it's th- three, three, three jurisdictions, two neighborhoods. It's it's a very confusing oh spot. My gosh. And I, I asked police officers how you deal with it. They said, Oh, there's what's one of the great things about Lost Hills? I'm going to back up. You haven't asked me this question, but I'll ask it myself. Lee, why did you choose to write about Lost Hills? <laughs> well, Tammy, because so many people have already written about law enforcement in Los Angeles. Michael Conley, Joseph Wamba, a million TV shows. I didn't want to write that again. Lost Hills is a unique jurisdiction. It's an island within metropolitan Los Angeles that's surrounded by Ventura County, by Woodland Hills, by the Pacific Ocean. It has a rural side. It has the gated communities of Calabasas. It has the Malibu Estates. It has all walks of life, trailer homes. It's, it's a, a microcosm of the city that isn't well explored, yet it's also filled with jurisdictional disputes. I was talking to a veteran LAPD uh, homicide detective, and he was talking about there have been cases where a body has dropped, and we don't know who needs who to take, take yeah, who takes take care of it. it right yeah. now. Right now, there are a couple places in Calabasas where there are helpful boulders that say Calabasas that help you know. But still, some of the the jurisdictional lines are really weird. So when you came up, like oh, okay, throw out this book. I'm going to write this book now. Was Lost Hills the first place that came to mind, or how did you know it all, about all these jurisdictions? Oh yes, yes. you did know. I, about I it. knew about that. So okay, that that I, I, I thought it was interesting and filed it away for later use. This case was presented in that homicide investigators training conference as one where, if you'd walked into it using any homicide investigator common sense, you wouldn't have solved it. It talked about the import. It was an example of the importance of approaching each homicide as if it's the first homicide you've ever investigated. And not to bring into it what you know from other experiences. So you can't come in with any Because it would have been wrong. You'd yes. say, oh, because of the type of violence, it was clearly a crime of passion, someone who knew the victim. No. So in each case, the common sense assumption would have been wrong. So rather than have a hero or a heroine who's an experienced officer who has to forget the common sense, I thought, wouldn't it be much more interesting to stick someone who's never investigated a homicide in this situation, who doesn't have that baggage? But... To become a homicide investigator, you have to have a lot of experience yes. and work your way up. So how do I get someone in that position who doesn't deserve to be there, but still someone you could root for? And so I basically, the story dictated who the character of Eve Ronan became. And I think that's the best way to create a character, Absolutely. to let the story and the conflicts inherent in it shape the character, rather than come up with a character and try to build a story around him or her. Because she's face-to-face through the entire book with men who, well, this is how you do it. This is how you think. This is what, you know, one plus one equals two. Mm-hmm. And and they're not wrong. And they're not wrong. They're not wrong. No, because they're, they're speaking from experience. But that experience doesn't hold in this case. Yeah. Which is why that case was so immediately interesting to me. And plus, the situation was so bizarre. You know, a co-worker, a, a woman calls up and says, my friend is, hasn't shown up for work at this restaurant. I'm worried about her. So I went to the house and looked in the window and there's blood in the kitchen. So she calls the police, and the police come in, and the house is just covered with blood. Clearly, this woman and her two kids and her dog have been killed and butchered in this house, but their bodies aren't there. Can we just talk about this really briefly? And that's real. Briefly? That was a real case. Like, that shocked me. You know, I, I've read murder mystery books, but the, the atrocity of what actually took place. This goes back to how it was so disturbing. And 
So that part wasn't fabricated. No, that was no, part no, that's of, real. That's real. And some of the stranger, I don't want to get oh into it, gosh. but some of the stranger things in the book that you might think I made up, um, there's a situation involving a gorilla suit. Real. Real. So some of this stuff was so strange. <sighs> but I, I was really captivated by this crime scene with no bodies where the blood is telling the story, but yeah. it's the story one you can believe. You know, it, it was very interesting, and it involved a, a killer who was forensically aware, like all of us are now, having watched CSI and Criminal Mind. We think we are. <laughs> but yeah. he went through the house. He knew he couldn't clean up all the blood, but he could try to taint it. And he went through with, with uh, motor oil and cleansers on top of all the blood to try to destroy the DNA, and he wiped down some of the walls, and yeah. he removed all the body parts and everything. Fascinating. Absolutely. Fascinating. So I spent a lot of time at the crime scene, more than you ordinarily do in one of these books. I think I spent like two chapters or something Except, at the well, crime yeah, scene. Well, yeah, I think that's what was and so disturbing. back to it. Because you really went deep into it. It just wasn't like, okay, we're here. You know, like Columbo. He spent like maybe 15 minutes at a crime scene and then, you know, solved it. But I also didn't want to do like they do on CSI where it's a science class. And they're going into all the forensics of, and telling each other what they already know about forensics for the, for the virtue of the audience. Right. I think... I want you to read a little bit here. Uh-oh. Um, I, I, you know, there's so many places you could have started, but I love, I just love the beginning of this because it just really sets the stage. It really sets the stage. All right. So podcast listeners, you're going to enjoy this. <laughs> you say that. It's, a, <laughs> it's more of a threat. Uh, <laughs> I, I won't promise you'll enjoy it. I'm not a great reader, but let's try. <laughs> Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department homicide detectives Eve Ronan and Duncan Pavone headed to that intersection. They were driving east on Mulholland Drive in a plane-wrapped Ford Explorer to investigate a possible homicide called in by the LAPD. There's only one reason the LAPD would call us on a corpse, Duncan said, sitting in the passenger seat and wiping donut crumbs from his big belly. I love Duncan. Which which he used like an airplane tray table. To tell us that it's on their side of the jurisdictional line and not theirs. Jurisdictional disputes were inevitable, given the geography. The Sheriff's Department was responsible for law enforcement in Malibu, the Santa Monica Mountains, and the surrounding communities of Westlake Village, Agoura Hills, Hidden Hills, and Calabasas. It was an enforcement area bordered by Ventura County to the west and northwest, the city of Los Angeles to the east and northeast, and Santa Monica Bay to the south. The intersection of Mulholland and Mulholland on the northern lowlands of the Santa Monica Mountains was the boundary between the Woodland Hills section of Los Angeles and the city of Calabasas. Eve had only been in the Robbery Homicide Division and working out of the Lost Hill Station in Calabasas for three months, and this was her first encounter with a jurisdictional dispute. She was keenly aware of what she didn't know, and so was everybody else around her. How do you resolve the situation if it isn't clear-cut? Eve asked, even though she knew the question would reinforce the low opinion that Duncan and the other detectives already had about her qualifications for the job. But getting the knowledge was more important to her than her image. You piss, moan, and argue that the cop... The cops. See, this is why I shouldn't read aloud. <laughs> you piss, moan, and argue that the corpse is on their side or that the crime happened there. You get out a tape measure to prove where the boundary is or who has the bigger dick. You use whatever dirt you have on them, whatever favors they owe you, whatever leverage you've got to make them take the body and the aggravation that comes with it, Duncan said. But I always end up taking the body because I'm a softy. She took her eyes off the road to give him an incredulous look. You care that much about some LAPD cop having a bad day? 
Hell no, Duncan said. I do it because the victim deserves a cop who will work the case instead of one who's more intent on figuring out how some poor bastard who got shot four times in the back, got dumped on the jurisdictional line, can be written off as a suicide. Eve smiled to herself. Maybe she was lucky to get partnered with a guy on his way out who didn't give a damn anymore. At least he had once, and that counted for something. They made an odd-looking couple. He was old and fat and had a creative comb-over to hide his thinning hair. She was young and slim, her brown hair cut into a practical bob. They could be mistaken for a father and daughter who liked to carry Glocks. You want me to keep going? No, it's good. Good. <laughs> I was afraid you'd say yes. I didn't see a I'd little like mark there. Too. So I would have said yes, okay. but... Um, oh, I feel so bad for her. So one of the things... Tanya French, New York Times bestselling author, says a great twist, fresh spins and knowing wings to the genre conventions or, or yeah, the, you, the murder mystery genre conventions. So I haven't read enough murder mysteries to know what those are. You know, what what are those you know, like wink, wink, homage to the typical conventions? And then what is it about the story that gives it a fresh? Well, we've a discussed a little bit of that already. She's not this borderline alcoholic detective with a tragic past who solved a million cases but still is misunderstood by the higher-ups who can't play the politics who's just about the case uh, or he's he's about to retire so he's going to get shot before the end of the and day. And you know, thing. I actually thought about that. It's like, oh my God, if Duncan dies, this it's not going to go well. I confront the cliche. I have him say, you know, I'm, I'm retiring in, in six months so clearly I'm the guy who's going to get shot in the face walking through the door. <laughs> so here's the deal. I'm not walking through any doors. I'm not starting any cars. I'm not doing anything that's going to get me killed. So there's that cliche. And then, of course, the woman cop cliches. I, I didn't want to do those either. I, I don't think I describe her breasts once no, you in don't. the book. Just the you know, all haircut, these that's all it. these ridiculous cliches about women cops, and and their inability to have relationships and and all that sort of thing. But I also didn't want to have the Professor Moriarty villain or the <laughs> Hannibal Lecter serial killer. Yeah. And I, I also wanted to show the drudgery of police work. It's not all about brilliant deductions and. Uh, Monkey and Sherlock Holmesian sort of uh, observations. I want to talk about the day by day work of working cop and what he or she has has to do. And I love Nan. Oh, thank the you. CSI. Yeah, she was awesome. I love the relationship. And there's one other thing that I want to put in there that's missing from almost all police procedurals is a sense of humor. They're so serious all the time. I. I the, the later Aid McBain 87th Precinct books had a lot of humor. And of course, Joseph Wambaugh's books yeah. have a lot of humor. So there's there's humor in the book uh, because there's humor in life. There's humor in the book and there's humor. Eve is annoyed by the humor. Yeah. Which I find funny. And also, rarely do these cops have families in these books. They're always loners. They can pick up somebody or talk about their lonely life just with them in the bottle. <laughs> and and, and, and my, my character has brothers and sisters and parents yeah. and... Because we do. We, ha- we have lives that don't always involve crime and serial killers in our job. Yeah. I know. Um, no, no, yours does. <laughs> well, thanks a yeah. lot. I mean, I was trying to keep it hush-hush. Too late. Um, there was one. It was not. It's kind of a review. It's more of a kind of a summary. Chris from the Boswell Book Company in mm-hmm. Milwaukee said she's a tough cookie. <laughs> He's a smarmy lowlife. It's like that's an under understatement. The crime scene is super duper bloody. This is a real crackerjack of a procedural. 
Cracker Jack, what Super Duper, crack- Tough Cookie. What's Cracker Jack? What's that mean? Oh God, I'm dating myself, but they're the. I mean, I know, I know what Jack. a Cracker Jack. Oh, okay. The the popcorn, the caramel yeah, popcorn. Yeah. So what's a Cracker Jack procedural? Mean? I guess sweet and tasty and crunchy. Does it satisfying? Can't get enough. You can't get enough of it. Oh, you can't see, wait to find the out. prize at the bottom. I love that. So this is the review that I have a little issue with. So this is the NPR review. Is this the one I wrote for myself? Uh NPR review by Gabino Iglesias. This I agree with. The prose is lean and the pacing is superb. There is no filler here. Every sentence earns the space it occupies on the page, which is amazing. The dialogue is never boring and always helps push the action forward. Then he begins to talk about Eve's mother. And he says basically that when those scenes come up, it deviates from the plot. And regardless, those scenes are nice because it kind of spotlights why a lot of people move to Los Angeles. They have their dreams that never get fulfilled. But he sees Eve's mother as not part of the plot, just maybe taking a break from things. And I don't agree with that at all. I don't either. Eve is who she is, going back to neuroses and her compulsions because of her family, because of her mother. And every time her mother came on the page, Lee, I went, no, every time there's a knock on the door or the phone rang, she picked it up. Like, she'd pick up the phone and she'd open the door. She's my mother. Oh, my That's, gosh. That, I, was, I was fictionalizing my mother, which my brother has contractual rights to he writes about my mom all the time but this is the first time i've decided to write about mom Uh, my mom wasn't an actress my mom was a uh, gossip columnist she was a writer but she was extraordinarily envious of my career and my brothers and was always trying to horn in on that and and i i know who i am as a writer and who i am as a parent who i am as an employer in some ways i am a reflection of of my youth growing up in a single parent household with her craziness and trying to control that chaos. And I channeled that into into Eve. Eve became a cop because she spent so much time being a cop in her own house, yeah. trying to control the chaos and make her mom live by certain rules and restore order. So it was sort of, for her, natural to become a, a police officer. But this case, this woman who's killed with her two kids was an aspiring actress, trying to make it in a very tough business. Eve's mother in, in the book is a, an extra, a background extra. She's... She's the ones you see walking by in the hospital or in a law firm or, or whatever on a TV show, trying to get noticed, trying to trying to break out. And the parallels between Eve's own life and the case she's solving are very real. That's her emotional involvement. In it. It's why it becomes her obsession. It's not an obsession because she, too, was stalked by a serial killer. No, it's, it's a personal thing. She sees herself in the victim. She sees herself, her, her own mom in, in the mother who was yeah. murdered. Even I love those parallels that, by the way. Because you really empathize or sympathized with Eve. And let's be honest. Even though our parents can drive us nuts, I know I drive my daughter nuts. You love your parents anyway. So even though I dreaded the calls from my mom, I would still take them. <laughs> she was, I was running a TV show um, called Diagnosis Murder. And my mom would call up and say, why haven't you hired me to write an episode? <laughs> and how can you tell your own mom? Because you can't write, mom. You don't know how to write a TV show. And I'm not going to hire my mom to write an episode. There was one one thing that Jen was the mom, right? Yeah. In Bug- so there's one thing that Jen said that I actually was like, okay, you know what? She is spot on. When she called Eve a martyr. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, stop playing the martyr card. Um, but that's what Eve does. Yeah. She takes on. I mean, thankfully, 
for this case in particular, thankfully she took on the martyr role because if not, things would have but turned out a lot different. But her mom would be a caricature if all she was was that character because a lot of what makes Eve a great cop and a strong woman, she got from her mom. Yeah. So I also wanted to show that there's a lot of good in her mother, not good, but a, a lot of qualities in her mother that Eve is lucky to emulate. And it may drive Eve crazy, <laughs> but there's some good advice her mom has to give her about dealing with the media or dealing with her job or dealing with herself and her own emotions and her own time. Like, stop being a, a martyr. Stop taking yourself yeah. so seriously. It's not Actually, about you. too. When I read that, it's like, ow. Oh, boo-hoo. I know. You know sometimes your parents are right. As I keep telling my daughter, sometimes we're right. Not often, honey, but sometimes. And as you get older, you'll realize that. Yeah. <laughs> what was... What was some of the challenging? Because there was a twist. There were several twists to this to this story. Um, was Eve easy to write? Eve was because even though she's a woman in her twenties, and I'm not, Eve is a lot me. I mean, I came from a single parent household. I had a mom who craved celebrity, um, who, who was jealous in some ways of what I was doing, and so. A lot of who I am and how I, I behave is a result of the way I was brought up being the oldest of four kids in a single parent household. So I was channeling that okay. into my into my character. I, I didn't find her that hard to write. The the hardest thing for me was what um, that critic at NPR talked about, making every word count. As you can probably tell from this it's interview, very lean. I'm in love with the sound of my own voice. And I just think I'm brilliant and so clever and so witty and wonderful. And I wanted... A prose style that did not call attention to itself. I wanted the writing to disappear. So I had to work very hard to make my writing lean. Mm -hmm. If there's anything clever to be said or any observation to be made, I wanted my characters to make it, not the narrator. Which is very different from how I ordinarily write my other work, where there is a, a voice to my writing. I didn't want a voice to this writing. With the exception of the first paragraph of this book, There, it's, it doesn't have a voice. That's not to say the writing is bland. Not or at all. dull, but it's sparse. Uh, it, it, it's I shouldn't say sparse either. It's just the facts, ma'am, kind yes. of writing. Yes. Uh, and it was hard to do. I found myself cutting things I really liked. That you know, great metaphor or description shouldn't be there. Just say it's so. A that building. was that kind of an intuitive thing that you realized, like, oh, I love it, but I got to cut it. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm not a musical person, yet I believe there's a real rhythm or a beat to writing, and I. I felt the beat of what Lost Hills was. And there were times where I, I felt the writing killed the rhythm or killed the, the momentum or the beat, and, and I would cut it. It's hard. It's a, it's a physical feeling. To, Do you read things out loud to find that rhythm? No. Or you're, you just you can just feel it as you're I can just feel it. it. Yeah. I, I write my first draft without worrying about all that. And then I print it out, and I, when I see it on the page, then I can, I can tell. And I'm very brutal with my own writing. I cut tons of stuff. I, I'm vicious. Does that come with time? That ability? Time and experience. But yeah. I had a mentor early in my career, a, a TV writer named Michael Gleason, who said you have to cut your baby, kill your babies all the time. Mm. Though he had one rule that I don't follow. He says, never cut funny. I cut funny a lot in Did this Did you? Book. Yeah. Because tone is important, too. And sometimes the humor will take away from the tone I'm trying to strike or the, the point I'm trying to make or the emotion I'm trying to create. I'm... Another thing that I loved about Lost Hills, and you speak about this, just the Calabasas area, it's very diversified. So she comes across a lot of different types of people. And in particular, you know, with, with the victim's family, you have the ex-husband, you have the boyfriend. 
um, oh my gosh, you know, they're not on every single page. Mm -hmm. And this goes back to what you were saying about it being a very lean story. When they are on the page, man. I had another mentor early in my career, a TV writer named Stephen J. Cannell. He did the A-Team and (laughs) Rockford Files and... He his earliest writing experiences were on a show called Adam Twelve yeah, with Jack Webb. Yeah. Jack Webb produced it. Was Martin Milner and Kent McCord as two patrolmen in in Los Angeles, and they would encounter somebody on a call, someone in a liquor store, or a woman in her house, and you had three lines of dialogue to establish a character for that person, and then they were gone. So he learned on those Jack Webb shows how important it was to quickly establish a memorable real character. In the in ten seconds, that's hard. And I learned a lot from him because he would talk about that. You know, the importance of this scene standing on its own with a beginning, middle, and end, and establishing who this person is with the first thing they say out of their mouths. And I, I think about that every time I introduce a new character in a book or a script. These characters have lives. They have somewhere they're going, somewhere they want to be, something they were in the middle of when my characters intrude on that life. So. You have to take that into account. These characters don't just exist to impart the information that your characters need or the moment that you need. They have something else they're interested in, their own goals, and you have to convey that in in the scene. So I hear Steve Cannell in my ear when I'm writing often. There's going to be more for Eve? There is. The next book is already written. It's called Bone Canyon. It comes out in January of 2021. Okay. And now I'm thinking about the third one. She has a life of her own. She does. She does. So I can have a life. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about the book tour. I'm actually going to open this up because I want to... Remind me where I'm going? Yes. So what's today? The 8th? Today's the The 8th. 8th. So on the 11th. um, So you're going to be staying in town for a little while. Orange. Well, this weekend I'm going to Orange County. I'm going to... Huntington uh, Beach. San Diego. Mm -hmm. San Diego on the 12th. Um, Ventura, Calabasas, which we talked about. January 21st. Which will be great. Uh, Long Beach. But then you're going to, okay, if we have any podcast listeners in Houston, we've got Milwaukee, um, Pittsburgh. That's North Carolina. Yeah. Wow. That's going to be great. A great bookstore. McIntyre's Books. This is interesting. It's in Crime a... Crime Scene Conference? It's in a fake British village. It, it, it looks like... A town has been lifted up, yes, lifted up from England and dropped into North Carolina, and the bookstore is in what looks like a Victorian house that's been renovated to be a bookstore. No, it was built to be a bookstore, (laughs) but it's aged, almost like a a a Caruso property or Disneyland. It's a faux English village. It's a great bookstore. I just love bookstores. You know, the fact that you get to go to all these amazing bookstores is. Amazing. There's a bookstore in Milwaukee I'm going to, Boswell Books. I wish it were here in L.A. I love it. It's a great bookstore. Why is it so great? A huge selection, uh, a staff that really knows books, and they hand sell books that they're passionate about. They don't let people leave the store until they buy the books oh, that, that. The, the store employees really love. Because that's kind of a novelty now, actually having somebody who works somewhere that knows the product. You, yeah. you can't take that for granted No one is because... hand selling books at Barnes & Noble. <laughs> Um, and then we have Atlanta, Scottsdale. You're back to San Diego, Newport, and then back to L.A. So this is over the next four months. No, that's over the next f- six weeks. No. This, well, the, 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 the last book. one is in April. But most of the... Which is the L.A. Times Festival. Most of the dates you're talking about are between now and the end of February. Yeah. Yeah, you've just got one in March and then a couple in April. Yeah. yeah. What are you looking forward to the most? 
Uh, fried chicken in fried North chicken. Carolina. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Fried chicken and biscuits. I'm going to come back morbidly obese. My wife and the pool man she's having an affair with will not recognize <laughs> me. I don't want to wait until a year for Eve. It's next story. But that's also part of the love of, of reading. Well, I have a new book coming out in just four weeks. With Eve? No, no. Uh, my, Does she show up at all in any no, of the no. stories? Well, actually, it's... I don't want to give it away, but uh, my next book coming out in April... Is called um, Fake Truth. It's the third Ian Ludlow okay. novel. You have me on here for yes, one of the other ones. Yes. And uh, Ian is a TV writer who works on a series, and uh, Eve's father directed episodes of that series. See? So you so did I, tie something I tied in. a little I bit. I love it. I knew it. I knew it. All right. So let's tell people where they can find this. They can find Lost, Lost Hills, Hills at Amazon.com, but you can also order it from fine independent bookstores like Mysterious Galaxy in San Diego, Poison Pen in Scottsdale, Boswell's in Milwaukee, Murder by the Book in Houston, and probably whatever store is near you. Poison Pen? Yeah. Such a great name. It's a great <gasps> store in Scottsdale. Oh, my gosh. Wonderful store. And where can folks find you on the socials? Because you're pretty good. I'm, I will say that from a year ago, you've increased your social media presence. I have been tweeting while we've been having this you... conversation. Because <laughs> you're just talented that yes, way. Yes, I've been doing Instagram. Uh <laughs> I have my daughter right here doing all that. No, I love the videos. Like the one that we showed today, you're doing a lot more of that, which is great. I'm easy to find. LeeGoldberg.com and Lee Goldberg on Instagram and Lee Goldberg on Facebook. But don't confuse me with Lee Goldberg, the weatherman. I get so many emails. When I first started Googling you, that's all who came up. Like, he's not a weatherman. Where are you? It was going to snow tomorrow and it didn't. Or it snowed and I wasn't expecting it. I don't control the weather. All right, so everyone, Lee Goldberg, Lost Hills. If you love murder mysteries and crime and fiction novels, this is such a lovely, fun, well, not fun. It not is a fun lovely. read. It's you, not lovely. It's, it's lovely and fun if you love the genre. Okay, You will I'll, not I'll be disappointed. That. But other than that, you know, as I've said before, it's like super disturbing and dark <laughs> and like, oh my God. I'm glad this is fiction, but it's not really. Okay. Thank you. My pleasure. This has been a joy. Lost Hills, everyone. Go get it now.